All right, let's study the scripture. Turn to Luke chapter 10. Uh, you might know that we kicked off a series last Sunday called Love Where You Live, and we're, we're, we're really studying through a book called The Art of Neighboring. The Art of Neighboring. If, you've, if you don't have that book, it's a really important book, I believe, for every Christian to have on their bookshelf because it defines, I believe, a simple yet profound truth. And that truth is what we're walking through over the next few weeks, that Jesus himself shrunk down all of the commandments in the scripture to just two. And it's called the great commandment. Jesus said the great commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so last week, we talked about taking the great commandment literally, and we studied Jesus, uh, his response to a man who was asking about it, and he told the story of the Good Samaritan. If you want to listen to that, it's on the podcast. This week, we're going we're gonna to move forward in Luke chapter 10. Actually, we're going to move backwards. We're going to go from the story of the Good Samaritan and Jesus' interaction. We're going to start at the, at the top of the chapter where Jesus sends out uh, the 72 uh, disciples. And so, and so this is a, th we're going to talk about the blessing that we are supposed to be to our neighbors today. And we're going to talk about a strategy to be a blessing. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to the mountains. I, ha I used to live in the mountains of Colorado. I lived in Colorado Springs for 19 years. We would go up into, the, in, in Colorado Springs, technically that's not actually in the mountains, even though it's 6,000 feet above sea level. But uh, last year, I had the privilege of going to the Wimanuchi Wilderness. Fun word to know and say. Come on, say it with me. Wimanuchi. Here's, here's one of the pictures from the Wimanuchi Wilderness. Beautiful, incredible landscapes. I mean, we tra traveled 45 days with 45 pounds. Not 45 days. What am I saying? We traveled for 10 days. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it seemed like 45 days, but... <clears throat> We, 45 miles with 45 pounds on our backs. It, I didn't know if I could do it. We went with Mountain Gateway and, uh, and Britt Hancock and, and a whole team of people went. It was an incredible experience. And, and, and I think the mountains are so beautiful. They're so amazing. They're so incredible. There is nothing like the mountain. There's nothing like the wilderness when you're there in, the, in, in nature. It's incredible. But somehow, if I tell you about it, and even looking at a picture, it doesn't quite do it justice. I can be really excited about it. But you know what happens when I meet somebody else who's also been there? Oh, you've been there? That's incredible. Oh, did you go on this trail? Did you guys, where did you go? Where'd, where'd you, what's that one place that we stayed the night and we hiked all day to get to that bowl? The bowl? It doesn't have a name, it's just called the bowl? All right, we hiked up to this big bowl. We didn't, we didn't hike on a trail. There's no trails. We were off trail. So anyway, here's the point. Because Britt and I know, we can have a long conversation about that, and you can sit there and watch. Because we know what we're talking about. There's an experience to draw from. If I tell you about how I've ridden some awesome roller coasters... You ever ridden a roller coaster like this? How many people in the room have ridden a roller coaster like this? Okay, how many people have not? Never ridden a roller coaster like this? Like, no way. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
I'm so sorry. It is so much fun. It is so incredible. And you, if you've ridden a roller coaster, you get up to that, the top, the first big, the first big hill, and you're going to go down this huge ramp, and it scares you so bad, you, you cuss. I've never cussed. I've just heard that people do. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, it's fun. We know what the experience is. We, we can talk about it really easily because we know the experience. What about like, like the ocean? The ocean it means vacation to me. There is something about the beauty, the wonder, the water. It's so incredible. The, my toes in the sand... Oh, yes, there's something just so relaxing about it. It's just so amazing. And if you've ever been to the beach, you know what I'm talking about. There's an interesting thing that's happening here as we talk about these kinds of things is I can describe them, but if you've never been there, if you've never, if you've never actually had the experience yourself, it's difficult to connect. I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he sent out 72 disciples on a mission. He wanted people to experience the kingdom of God. He wanted people to experience the kingdom of God in a way that they could share it with others. And his disciples had spent time with him. And so we're going to pick up the story here in Luke 10, verse 1. He says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. He gives them these instructions. I want to just, what is he saying? What is he doing? Number one, I think Jesus is sending his disciples to a place he's about to go. Little insight into the scripture. Jesus always sends people to a place he's about to do something. He's always trying to send people across other people's paths who he's trying to work in their lives. He just does that. That's how he works. And so he's sending us into people's lives because he's about to go there. And you have to believe that. You have to have faith for that. But this, what we're talking about over, the la over last week and over the next few weeks is loving our neighbor like we love ourselves. Treating our neighbor with love and care and, and sharing our lives with them we have to believe that God's interested in meeting our neighbors. Right. We've got to believe that. There's a famous phrase, and that's preach the gospel. Always preach the gospel. Use words whenever necessary. There's something, there's something there's, there here that, that Jesus is saying to them. He says, I want you to pray for people. I want you to pray for Labors. It seems like he should have said, I want you to pray for every person who you're about to talk to. He didn't say that though, did he? Because there's something else going on. He said, pray for more labors because the truth is the harvest is ready. Yeah. There are people ready to say yes to me. There are people ready to let me into their lives. 
They're ready. They're prepared. My suspicion is there's probably 25% of our city, because this city's been prayed over a lot. But there's, there's 20, up 25% of this city that's ready right now to say yes to Jesus. If only someone would cross their path. If only the right circumstances would present themselves. There's a, there's a harvest. If only there were more laborers, more people willing to make the long journey through the fence into the next yard and share their life. He says, you got to go. He says, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. Like sheep among wolves, which means there's some intensity here. There's, there's, there's some sense of, of danger. A lot of people think, well, I need, I need to bring, we need to get the wolves and get them to come where the sheep are. Actually, that's not how it works. You send the, the Jesus sends the, he says, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves, innocent, gentle. He says, he says, I want you to notice this, this phrase. He says, do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. What is that? I think what he's telling them to do is, I want you to rely on me and not on your own devices. I want you to rely on me and my provision instead of what you think you need for this journey. Rely on me, don't rely on yourself. And then he says this strange sentence. He says, and don't greet anyone on the road. That's kind of rude, Jesus. I don't know. What's he saying? He, what he's saying is, I want you to be resolute. I want you to be on your mission. I want you to cut through the distractions of your life, and I want you to see what's going on in the kingdom. I want you to cut through, and I want you to be con committed and have conviction about where you're going and what you're doing. Verse 5, he says, when you enter a house, first say, peace, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If, it will, if, it, if not, it will return to you. It's an interesting idea here about peace. The scriptures, Matthew 5, where Jesus is talking about the um, Beatitudes, Long list, and he's saying in verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. We are God's kids. We have his DNA, and we carry peace. We don't, we don't use the ways of the world to communicate. We don't, we don't, we don't fight evil with evil. We don't use violence to conquer people. We walk in peace. We walk in peace. That doesn't mean we never have conflict, but it means that we carry, we are supposed to carry peace from the Prince of Peace, from God himself, that we carry it. And I think what, part of what he's saying here, <laughs> Jesus is saying, I want you to have good manners. When you meet somebody, share peace with them. Speak peace into their lives. You're the one who's the carrier of peace and into their crisis and into their struggle and into their violent circumstances, you may be the one who is the bearer of peace. 
be kind to them. What I think he's saying here is, he, he, he continues, he says, if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. And I think what he's talking about is find the person who is open to you and, to receptive, and receptive to you. Find, speak peace and then see if there is reception. Speak peace and then see if there's a connection. I think we always have to be ready for that. If we're going to obey the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, and we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves. We have to walk through this life ready to speak peace into people's lives and watching for the connection because the kingdom of God is coming. There is a, it's a, there's a, a journey that we're on that Jesus has sent us on a mission that we are on together with him, and, and he's coming, and we are the ones who are going ahead of him. And he says here, if, if, you don't, if they don't accept your peace, in other words, if they're not open, he says, it will return to you. I like this, because I think Jesus, the disciples could have been like, man, if we, if we speak too much peace, we might run out, Jesus. He's like, no, you won't run out. Don't worry about your peace. You got plenty. You got plenty. If you speak it and they don't receive it, it comes right back to you. You carry it to the next place. He continues in verse 7. He says, stay in the house, stay in that house and eating and drinking where, whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. I think the second thing Jesus is telling us to do after speak peace is to build relationships with people. Build relationships with people. He's saying, I want you to stay in a place. Once you find some connection, I want you to build a relationship with those people. I want you to eat together. I want you to share together. I don't want you wandering around all over the place. And, and Paul, the apostle, kind of talks about that in his letter to the Corinthians. It's written in your message notes. It says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, <laughs> you would have to leave this world. There is a sense sometimes that you just want to hang out with the people who are like you. Make no mistake, I think... That's not a bad thing. But Jesus calls us beyond our own borders. He calls us beyond our own barriers. He calls us to, to get into a, a place that is uncomfortable with people who aren't quite like you or me. And that is challenging, no doubt. But he says, he says I, want you to, I want you to stay in the same place and I want you to eat what's put before you. Now, in the Middle Eastern culture of Jesus' day, it would have been a very leisurely eating culture. It wasn't, they, they didn't have fast food. There was nothing fast. Everything was long and prepared and slow and it, was, um, it had a, a pace to it, if you will. And there was a regimen, and you, and you shared with people. You, you, you broke bread together, and, and there was even a bit of ritual to it, something we've lost the art of too much in our culture, a leisurely dinner with friends. And if you, if you heard me last week, the challenge of this is 
to choose people who you think Jesus might be coming to instead of just people that you already know. And be willing to reach out to your neighbor rather than just, rather ju than just only hang out with the people that you're comfortable with. Jesus was saying, share common experiences. Now, Jesus, out of everybody, he was, he was the guy that ate with sinners and tax collectors and the unsavory characters of his day. And he got criticized for it. The scripture says that Jesus looked on the crowds of people and he had compassion and there was compassion that drove him. Interestingly enough, he was always harsh towards the religious people. The only people he was mean to he was always gracious to people who were in need, who were in trouble, who were struggling, who were trying to find the way. He, would, he wouldn't pull any punches. He spoke directly, but he was, he, his tone was always kind. It was only the religious people who were absorbed in themselves and who kept to themselves and who didn't want to be polluted by anybody else that he was hard on, that he challenged their way of life. I think we have to be careful, church, not to become those people. We have to be intentional. There is no, I mean, there's nothing, no way around it because people, people do connect with the people that they, that they like to be with. But Jesus sends us and he sends us to build relationships with people who are a little outside of our box. He says this interesting phrase, eat whatever is put before you. Now, I went to, I went to the mountainous villages of Mexico a few years ago with my friend Britt over here, Britt and Audrey. And I went way up. We, I think we hiked a whole morning to get to this one location. And um, there's a rule in Mountain Gateway. There's a rule in many missions organizations. When, wherever you, whenever you get to the place where you're going to share the gospel and the gospel is going to be shared maybe for the first time or it is in process of, sh of, of breaking through into their culture, you must eat whatever is put before you. I needed help that day because I got up there and, and I mean, God was gracious to me, but I couldn't really, I wasn't, you know, it's like you get a meal and you're not sure what it is or what part of the animal that it is. Yeah, and you, just, and you just have to eat it, and it gives a whole new perspective to praying over your meal. <laughs> I prayed over that meal, Lord, help me, and he did. He helped me. There's something about sharing this kind of relationship together. Jesus is telling them, I want you to, first I want you to speak peace, then I want you to build relationships, I want you to move around with the people who have been open to you, and then the third thing he says in verse 9, he says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. I want you to heal them, and then I want you to tell them the kingdom of God is here. So number three is heal sickness. Jesus said himself, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to my Father. We have everything Jesus had, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We have everything Jesus had and more because his church has been established. Amen. He is building it and there is, there is a, a, a benefit to him sending them out two by two. There are friends, there are relationships, there's the scriptures, there, there is the work of the Spirit in us 
And so we need to be willing when people are in need to pray over them and to believe that Jesus can heal them. And he can use us to do it. I want to broaden the idea to you as well because it, it, it may be that the healing they need, that you bring it to them just by joining them in their suffering. It could be that in this culture of isolation and individualism that we live in, that the very act of just being there, speaking peace, loving them, just, just being willing to serve them and help them. The scripture teaches us that we should weep with those who weep, right. mourn with those who mourn. This is what he's calling us to do. Be ready at any moment to spot it because it will, it will show itself. In that relationship, there will be a moment when you realize the comfort and compassion of Christ comes upon you and you begin to share with them and pray with them. And then at that point, then you, here's what Jesus said. He said, tell them the kingdom of God is here. It's here. This is what this is. Now, I think the problem is sometimes we just want to tell them the kingdom is here and then try to figure out how to have a relationship with them. We want to start with number four. But I think if we look at the passage, I think Jesus is suggesting he's implying an order. And the order is first you speak peace, then you eat and with them and share life with them, and then you heal the wounds that are in them because you don't even know what wounds are in them unless you get to know them. And as you get to know them, you heal them, and then you say, this is what this is. This is the kingdom of God that's come into the world. Jesus himself is that king it's not a, we want to, we, we kind of want to make it as Christians, as Jesus followers. We want to, we want to meet people and then, and we want to tell them about Jesus and we want to close the deal. We want to make the sale. This is not how Jesus designed the gospel to be translated, transferred. It is not a transaction. It is a revelation. It is a relational journey where people come into relationship with God himself. Do you remember the do you remember show and tell? You remember show and tell? You come to class and you've got your little thing and you take the class and and as a kid you're like you show them and then you tell them and I I, I think too many of us it's, we it's it's like we're trying to do tell and show. Tell and show. It's not tell and show. It's show and tell. It's show then tell. Don't tell then show. Show them, walk it out, live the gospel in front of them, and then when the moment comes, be ready. Be ready. This is the way it's always been, really. If you look at the very beginning in Genesis 12, Genesis chapter 12, the, the, it's in your message notes. Here is God's promise to Abraham and what he, how he wants to share himself with the world. This is how he wants to show himself. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed. Everybody say blessed. Say blessed. Say blessed. Blessed. Every person on earth was to be blessed through Abraham, 
through his family, through the miracle God was going to do in that family and then in that nation, in the nation of Israel. And then one man would come, the Messiah, who would be the ultimate blessing to our planet, to the nations of the world, and he would usher in the age of the kingdom of God in which we live now and look forward to his return and his establishment of that kingdom. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Dave Ferguson, who's a pastor and an author, really brilliant guy, and he came up with this next thing we're going to look at. He says, from the very beginning, God's way of reaching and restoring the world has always been through what I would call a blessing strategy. We're, sup we're supposed to be in the blessing strategy business. We're supposed to bless people because that's who we are. We are blessed by God. We don't use up that blessing on ourselves. We don't keep it to ourselves. We become the people through whom God's great blessing flows through to others. And so we're going to institute at one chapel for the next few years, we're going to use this little acronym here, and we're going to bring it up over and over and over again. It's going to be kind of our model and our strategy, because what we're talking about is not a little sermon series, not a little message series. We're going to remind ourselves to remember the command, great commandment. What we're talking about is changing our behaviors and our lifestyle to make sure that we're obeying these two little commandments. Love God and love people well. B begins the acronym. Begin with prayer. Pray for your neighbors every day. Pray for your neighbors every day. Here's what I did last week. I handed this out to you. Love where you live. It's your... Um, who is my neighbor card, and it, it's a place for you to write in the names of your neighbors. And if you don't have one, I want you to look around. There should be um, on every third chair, there'll, there'll be some. There's also going to be some out in the hallway afterwards. But here's what I want you to do. Some of you, you came last week, and you took it home, but you can't find it now. You go ahead and take it. Take it, take it home with you. And what I want you to do is I want you to fill in the blanks here of your neighbors, all the, everybody who lives around you, and put it up on your refrigerator, and you pray over them every day. You pray over him every day because God is working. He's moving. There's something going on. He has a strategy. And all we're doing is trying to collaborate with what God's already interested in. We're trying to cooperate with where he's going. So you put this on your refrigerator. You take this home. You fill, fill it out little by little. We talked about that last week. In fact, last week I had everybody do it in the middle of service. And the vast majority, huge number, there was like 10% who could fill in every, every blank. 10% who could fill in every blank, maybe less. We don't know our neighbors well enough to do this. The whole, we choose our lifestyle, we choose where we want to go, we choose who we want to spend our time with, and ignore our literal neighbors. We can't do that. We can't do that. We have to bless them. We have to be engaged with them. L, listen to them. Listen to them. Sometimes we just want to do all the talking. Do you know what the best way to get to know somebody is? Ask them questions about themselves because people do love to talk about themselves. You can learn a lot about people if you'll just listen. And I want you to listen from a perspective of compassion. Listen from a perspective of, of, of thinking about walking in their shoes and, and listening from their perspective. Just listen to their story. Don't preach. Don't, don't 
Don't say, uh, I know just how you feel, and then launch into your thing. Listen. E is eat with them. Eat with them. Break bread in our homes. As an it's an invitation to life and authenticity. There's an invitation to share the life that you're living, what God is doing in your life, and, and, and you can share this just by having a meal with them. S is serve them, because actions speak louder than words every time. Spot the need. Get to know them well enough that you understand their needs. And you might be saying to yourself, I don't like these neighbors. Actually, that's not one of the qualifications. In fact, even, even and Jesus says, um, you know, if you speak peace to them and they don't want the peace, that's okay. Your peace still comes back to you. And that means if you live by them, they're going to have to deal with the peace several times. It's just part, of, just part of living next to somebody. Serve them. The last S is share your story. Finally, there is a moment that's going to come for you to share your story. Watch for the right time to share your journey and the story of God's life. Now, here's what I believe. If you're building a genuine relationship, there's no way for that story not to come out. That was a double negative. That was weird. If you're going to build a real relationship with your neighbors, the story is going to come out at some point. And so we want to watch for that moment. Now, the writers of The Art of Neighboring, that book that I recommended to you at the beginning, they talk about this. They talk about not having an ulterior motive as you build a relationship with your neighbor, but to have an ultimate motive. That ulterior motive is kind of like you're a car salesman, you're trying to get them to buy something. That's not what this is about. We're not, the, the greatest question your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus and, and, and thinks you're kind of a weird guy if you're, if you're following Jesus, the question they want answered is, if I refuse Jesus, will you still be my friend? Will you still love me? That's an important question because we have an ultimate motive, but we're not, we're not trying to sell them something. We want Jesus to work in their lives and for him to draw them to himself because we don't, we don't love our neighbors just in order to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. We love our neighbors because that's who we're called to be. That's that's, we're God's people. We're blessed. So we pass on that blessing. We take care of people. We pastor our neighborhoods. We, we make an investment. We serve. We love. We lay our lives down for people around us because that's what we're called to do. Now, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your heads. I just want you to take a moment and I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit might say to you. For some of you, it might be that you are, you're really struggling with this concept and you're not sure that you really want to reach out to the people that are around you. Some of you are in the room and you're just thinking about the way I've described Christianity and the way I've described the kingdom of God and it's, it's foreign to you. You don't know that kind of kingdom where you receive a blessing and then you share that blessing with others. You've been wounded or hurt in the past, or, or, or maybe you've just never heard it defined, a relationship with God like this. I, I want to invite you to this table 
that we're about to go to, the Lord's table. And I want to invite you to open your heart and let Christ in. If you've been pushing him away or you've been resisting him, this is your moment to respond to God. This is your moment to, to say yes to him. If you're struggling with the concepts of being on mission with, with Jesus and that he has sent you, could I challenge you to come to this table knowing that he has the provision that you need? That you don't have to provide for yourself, that he can actually put something in you to nourish you and sustain you and give you courage and give you strength. That's what this bread represents is that provision. So I want you to come ready to yield, ready to surrender, ready to give your life away because that's what Jesus did for us. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and after he had blessed it, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. I want you to remember me every time you do this. And then in the same way, he took the cup and after he'd given thanks, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. I want you to remember me every time you do this. So Father, we come to you and say thank you for what Christ has done. We ask you to forgive us, to heal us, to cleanse us, to renew us, to give us a new fresh start right here, right now in these moments as we're coming to you. So Lord, draw us, draw us here. We wanna, we wanna be right with you. We wanna make ours, we want you to make us right with you in a relationship. So Lord, we come to surrender. We come to yield. We come to allow you to fill us up and provide for every need. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.